There are some good free agents left on the board in the NHL, and I have got one name that sticks out specifically as the most intriguing for the Sabres as we enter. Uh, we're getting closer to the month of August, and we still got some big names left on the board. So some Sabre prospect news. I got that guy that I think makes the most sense for the Sabres among the big free agents left on the market and a huge trade in the NHL. Talk about all that coming up here on the Locked on Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. You're Locked on Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We are also available on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Locked On Sabres. It is the easiest way to find us there. Uh, Joe DiBiase on today's show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, it's, you know, the dry season. It's about as dry as it gets in the NHL. But that doesn't mean things are not happening and that things cannot happen because a very unique year for free agency. There are lots of big names left on the market. I've got one guy that sticks out the most as an option for the Buffalo Sabres, despite the fact that we are already at July 26th. I think this guy makes sense. We'll get to him coming up in a little bit. Some Sabre prospect news and a big trade in the NHL uh, that I got to get to. That's all ahead today here on uh, today's show. Also trying to figure out why. There are so many big names left on the free agent market. I think I have the answer, um, but it's not an easy one to uh, to figure out. All of that coming up at Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter at Lockdown Sabers to follow the podcast account and the news on the Sabers prospects. So Matthew Savoy, the Sabers ninth overall pick uh, from this past draft class, it was not at development camp because of the shoulder injury and he will also not be taking part in uh, Canada's world junior camp. Now there is an August world juniors this year to make up for this past world junior championship that is being made up for. So Savoy will not participate for August, but I believe he still would be open and would be uh, available to participate for the world juniors in December and would expect that he would for Canada would make that team and would be healthy by then. So no Savoy for this coming summer world juniors, but I would expect Savoy to be on team Canada and maybe be like a top line centerman for Canada uh, in the December world juniors. Also, do we need August world juniors? I I guess they had to make up the tournament to recoup money or whatnot. I don't know how much demand there's going to be when football is going to be right around the corner. Um, Playing it for the kids, maybe, to make up for them not getting the experience last year. Uh, maybe that's the reason, but kind of weird that we're getting uh, World Juniors in August. Now, uh, August 9th, I believe, is the first game. At least that's what Bet Online has. Bet Online does have odds up for uh, for this tournament. They have Canada as the favorite at plus 150. They actually have Finland second at plus 350, and then the U.S. at plus 400, Sweden at plus 500, and then a massive drop-off to the Czech Republic at plus 2,000. No Russia. No Russia at this thing. They are not listed. Uh, So that's coming up. That's what's going on with Matthew Savoy. The big trade in the NHL from the past couple of days. Matthew Kachuk 
The Sabres were listed on Matthew Kachuk odds. In fact, the team that traded for him were not listed. The Sabres were listed in Matthew Kachuk odds. This team was not. The Florida Panthers step up to they step up to the plate and they give up Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and a first round pick in 2025 to be able to acquire Matthew Kachuk. Now, as someone that listens to the Dan Levitard show very often, based out of Miami, in their local hour where they talk a lot of Panthers, they hate this trade. Huberto, one of the most popular players in Panthers history, all-time leader in many different statistical categories. He had one year left in his deal, and they get an expiring, they trade an expiring contract for a 29-year-old player, despite the fact, yes, Huberto was a great, great offensive player. They use him, they use Uyghur, also on an expiring deal who they had to move, and they get a guy that is five years younger than Jonathan Huberdeau. They give up a first-round pick in three years. It's lottery protected. It's probably going to be in the late 20s anyway. You're going in for a Stanley Cup. And what keeps your window open longer to win a Stanley Cup? Matthew Kachuk or Jonathan Huberdeau? And whatever you would have gotten from Mackenzie Weger on the side. Matthew Kachuk is the answer. I love this trade for Florida. I hate this trade for Calgary. I think the Flames are going to have a real hard time getting both Huberto and Uyghur to sign extensions. And I realized that they said in their opening day press conferences that they're open to staying in Calgary. What else are they going to say? It's their introductory press conference. Could you imagine if they had sat up there and said, yeah, I'm really not, not open to it. No, I'm not going to do it. I really want to test the open market next year. Imagine if they had come out and said that right away. I, I can't believe that that is at all in the cards. I think they'll be lucky to get one of the two to sign, Huberto or Uyghur. What might end up happening is Calgary, after hoping and praying one will sign, will flip both. And then suddenly the Matthew Kachuk trade will not be Kachuk for Huberto, Uyghur, and a first. It will be Kachuk for a first and whatever you get for Huberto and whatever you get for Uyghur. And those will probably be, probably be you know, Decent enough pieces, but on expiring deals, I don't know how uh, strong the market is going to be on that. So you know what it is, though? It's another example of Florida taking advantage of a team that was going into the final year of RFA and that, that RFA could walk to UFA status in one year's time. That's what happened with Sam Reinhart. They got Sam Reinhart at a discounted rate. Like Devin Levi's turned into a really nice prospect, but... In essence, they got Sam Reinhardt, a, a good, a very good top six winger in the NHL for a late first round pick and their third best goalie prospect, or at least third third ranking goalie in the organization, third behind Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. So here they go with two expiring contracts and a, and a future first to get a dominant player and a physical player, a defensive player, on a hundred point plus guy last season. You know what? Florida in two straight years have lost to Tampa Bay in the postseason. And what happened last year? They were the highest scoring team in hockey. They had one of the historically good offensive season and Huberto helped drive that. Then they met Tampa and Tampa shut them down, shut them down. And I'm not usually one to subscribe to this idea this ideal, but maybe Huberto just not 
a playoff type player. Listen, you gave him two shots. You gave that core in Florida two shots, and you couldn't get over Tampa. In fact, you didn't even really come close at getting over Tampa. I think they got swept right this past year. Kachuk, you shake up the core. You shake up the core. You get five years younger. You maintain that offensive stature. You get harder to play against. I hate. I almost cringe saying the words, but you get harder to play against. He is a playoff type player. He is a fun player. He's my favorite player in the league that does not play for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I love this trade for the Florida Panthers, and I think it stinks for the Sabres' sake. I think having him in the division stinks. I think it makes them better, and it makes them better going forward for many years, uh, given his age. So, good job, Florida. Calgary, I think you took a huge risk, and I do not see it paying off for you. But I guess... Good, good try. Like let's, let's. I'm hoping and praying that it works out for you, but I don't think Huberto and Mackenzie Weger uh, signed extensions. Uh, all right, so that's what's going on in the league and with the Sabers with Matthew Savoy. When we come back, why is the free agent market so constipated? Why are there so many guys left available? And I have one of the top name free agents that I still think makes sense, some sense for the Sabers to add, and it would be kind of out of left field, uh, not entirely, but it would be a big swing. Uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. That is coming up here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports like like UFC, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, Live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have got you covered. Bet online, head there today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, where the game starts. Joe DiBiase, back here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen today, especially with Bill's camp going on right now. Hockey, uh, usually at this time, becomes an afterthought for Buffalo sports fans, but there are still things that could happen with the Buffalo Sabres, and that mainly means free agency. Why are there so many free agents left available? Why is Nazem Kadri still a free agent? Why is John Klingberg still a free agent? Uh, why is P.K. Subban still a free agent? Bill Kessel. Uh, there are Paul Stastny, if you want it. He's a little bit further down that, that list, but there are some big names left available and I wonder if it's all being held up by Nazem Kadri, who was reportedly willing to take a, a, a meeting with any team in the NHL, and he is milking it, right? Like, we are two weeks into this, and are we any closer to knowing where he'll end up going? Maybe it's back in Colorado. I saw a report from the other day that multiple teams were trying to clear cap space to make an attempt to sign Kadri, so maybe... Uh, Kadri might have his heart set on a certain destination that doesn't presently have the cap space to get that deal done. The team I wondered for that is the Boston Bruins. The Bruins make a lot of sense for Kadri. They need centermen. A little bit less so now because uh, David Krejci returning to the Boston Bruins. Um, but they still could use Kadri. Him and Marshawn together, I mean, it would just piss off every other team in the NHL. They are going for it right now. And... But what they need is to figure out how to make the cap work. 4.7 million of space. And they also, uh, I believe, still need to sign uh, Patrice Bergeron. 
They got to find a way to sign Patrice Bergeron and Pavel Zaka, who they traded for uh, in this offseason, who was a restricted free agent, uh, formerly of the New Jersey Devils. So maybe it's Boston, but somebody that needs to clear cap space is maybe the team that's going to end up landing Nazem Kadri. Otherwise, I don't really know what the holdup is, but I think he is the holdup. I think guys like Kessel and maybe even defensemen like Subban and Klingberg, they're waiting to see if they're going to go to a destination, and maybe that destination is waiting to see if they're going to get Nazem Kadri. So the moment he decides, I wonder if the floodgates are going to reopen, and that's when we'll get a couple more of these high-profile signings. Uh, Kadri, by the way, is not the name that I think makes sense for the Sabres. I don't think he does. The age doesn't fit, right? He is 31. He'll be 32 uh, at the beginning of next season. Um, he would help the Sabres right now, but it's kind of like the Patrick Kane conversation. Does he really fit your timeline? And the answer, I think, to that question is no. Does he make you better right now? Kadri makes you a lot better, I think, than Kane does uh, after the season he just had. But I, I don't think the Sabres want to be getting in that game, spending six, seven-year contracts for 32-year-old uh, guys that will help them right now, but they're trying to win cups. You know, They're not trying to win the cup this year. They're trying to make the playoffs this year. But three, four years from now is when you should be trying to win the Stanley Cup and realistically thinking, hey, maybe I could get there by then. And Kadri at 35, 36, if that, I don't think that's helping you all that much. And that's a lot of cap that you would be eating up to, uh, to do that. So I'm out on Kadri for the Sabres, and I don't think that's really saying much. The guy that I think makes the most sense for the Buffalo Sabres is John Klingberg. I wonder about whether or not they are, they are in on John Klinkberg. Right shot defenseman, 29 years old. So the age is not perfect. It's better than Kadri. The age is not perfect. The, the player's pretty good. Uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, I saw tweeted the other day about Klingberg. A 59% wins above replacement percentage. Uh, 97% offense, by the way, though, 1% defense. And a lot of his other numbers, the zone entries, the zone exits, the zone breakups, um, he is a very offensive defenseman and maybe not going to be your shutdown guy on the right side on the back end. Uh, 47 points last season. He uh, was coming off a couple of years in there, which were pretty much around the same points per game, 36 points in 53 games in 2021, 32 points in 58 games in 1920. Uh, The highest he's ever gotten to is 67 points uh, in 2017-18. So it's been a couple of years since that. But we're still talking about, you know, roughly a 50-point defenseman uh, on your back end and a better player than Rasmus Ristolainen, who was the last, you know, big minute eater, right shot guy in the past couple of years. 22.59 is what he averaged, averaged per night with the Dallas Stars, John Klingberg. Is there room for John Klingberg? That's a big question. He plays on the right side. I think if you sign John Klingberg, if you surprise everyone and make that signing, how does it fit? I think the only way it really fits, and it could, it could fit, but I think the way it does is Rasmus Dahlin kicks back from the right side to the left side. And I'm not so sure they want to do that. I mean, he was playing really well on the left side, all-star level before Owen Power showed up for the final eight games of the season. So I don't think there'd be a lot of hesitancy to put him back on the left, but he looked good on the right. And I think they feel comfortable with him on the right. And I don't know if they necessarily need to have him stay on the right. I wonder what Granado and Kevin Adams would tell you in an honest moment about that. Would they not sign Klingberg because they don't want to keep flip-flopping Darlene? 
to me, you might want to just get the best six players on the ice. And then Darlene just, hey, that's, that's a benefit, right? He's so versatile that he could he could kind of fit to the construct of your roster. If there's if the best guy you could get as a right shot defenseman, then Darlene will go to the left. If the best guy you can get as a left shot defenseman, then Darlene will go to the right. Um, I wonder if they treat it that way or if they really don't want to keep flip-flopping him. I don't really know how they feel about it. In my opinion, you shouldn't care. I think you just you mold him into um, whatever fits best for the team because he's that versatile and is that strong on both sides. So how would it look? Uh, Darlene and Klingberg, I'm just going to read off names. It doesn't have to necessarily be pairings, but what's your top six? Darlene and Klingberg, Owen Power and Ilya Labushkin, who they signed for the right side, Matias Samuelson and Henry Okiharyu. That's your six? That sounds on paper like a really good blue line. And it sounds like it could be a great blue line. I think on paper, they'd be a good one with the potential to be a great one. But let me read that again for you. Darlene, Klingberg, Power, Labushkin, Samuelson, Yoki Haru. And you'd have to find minutes for Samuelson because he needs to be playing more than the 15, 16 minutes a night than most third pair defensemen would get. Uh, Yoki Haru, I don't necessarily need to get him, you know, 20 minutes a night, but I wonder if the Sabres and Granado don't want to take away that many minutes from him and that many opportunities because I, I think he would rank third on, a, on that potential depth chart behind Klingberg and Labushkin. Um, could be very well-balanced minutes uh, when it comes to those six. but uh, So I guess they don't need Klingberg, but it, it works well enough, and it makes them look a lot better on paper for this season. It would make me consider more seriously the idea that they could make the playoffs. It would also show a commitment to the group that they think they can make the playoffs. If you sign John Klingberg at 29 years old, uh, to whatever that contract might be, it might not be as bad, right? There was a report a couple weeks ago that, you know, after a couple days of not signing anywhere, Klingberg was considering accepting a short-term deal from Ottawa. If he'd want to sign a one-year prove-it deal with the Sabres, a two-year deal with the Sabres, three years deal deal with the Sabres, uh, I don't know if that would actually be on the table. For one year, of course, I think you do it. Uh, Two or three, same thing. almost like the Taylor Hall signing, but on the back end and just a lesser, uh, less marquee player. I I think there could be room for here. Now, who did I cut out, by the way, with that potential top six if they were to sign John Klingberg? I cut out Jacob Bryson, which is fine, right? Seventh pair defenseman. I cut out Lawrence Pilot. Fine, he's uh, probably going to be willing to be in Rochester. It's how it sounds. So I'm not stunting anyone's growth there. Casey Fitzgerald, same thing. Um. I, I kind of like this. It's not my favorite idea. I'm not aggressively pushing for the Sabres to do this, but I like it. If they, I like it well enough, and if they signed him, I think you'd be, you'd be right to be excited uh, if they were to make that signing. And I don't want to rule out that they will because I don't know where Klingberg is going to go. I saw Edmonton rumored the other day. Ottawa, I mentioned the rumor about them. Uh, maybe it goes back to Dallas. Uh, it, it's hard to pin down, I think, where Klingberg will go. And it's not out of the realm of possibility to me that the Sabres could jump into that game and land him. So we'll see uh, when he makes a decision. I would expect maybe that comes after, again, I think Kadri is the next ball to drop, and then we'll see what happens after that. So John Klingberg, uh, what do we think? At Locked on Sabres, if you got thoughts on that, you want to tweet at us, we'll read it on the show um, about your thoughts on that potential signing for the Sabres. Maybe the most realistic, high-profile thing they could do uh, between now and the beginning of training camp. John Klingberg. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports. You can follow the podcast account at Locked On Sabres if you're looking to reply there. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel where you could like and subscribe there as well. We greatly appreciate that. 
Uh, but that is going to do it for us today here on the Lockdown Savers podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now, go make your second listen, Lockdown NHL. Lockdown experts giving you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast.